Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sweat, honey. I know. You will see me back for season 15. Yes. We're starting again soon. So get sick of me. You're going to be sick of me. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Today, we're doing a pop culture roundup of what happened this week and also a Love is Blind After the Altar recap. So stick around for that. Unfortunately, I did not have my um, resident Love is Blind co-host with me, Rachel and Desi of Hollywood Crime Scene. However, Um, probably unbeknownst to them, they will be back for the next season. So fear not. Um, also, do you guys want to come on for next season? I guess this would be my official ask. I I had it in my head. I'm just assuming I'm going to make you do it. It's not really, I'm asking you just put it in your calendars already, ladies. Anyway. Um, hi, how are we doing? I, if you listen to my, uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills recap, I mentioned that I was in a hotel, but Princess texted me and was like, girl, did somebody, did you get flewed out? Like what happened? (laughs) So I guess I failed to mention that I was at my family reunion. Um, We were there in DC over the weekend. And so that's why the episode is late. So um, hello to any family members that might be listening to this episode. I, um, listen, I come from a very religious Christian family. Well, I'm just letting you guys know there's a lot of worldly language happening here. So, you know, govern yourselves accordingly. Love you. Thank you for listening. If you could give me a five-star review, I would really, really appreciate that. I have no shame, not even with my family. Anyway, let's move on to 
what we have to talk about because we have like a lot of stuff to get into. Should we start on a good note or a bad note? I think we're going to start off on a bad note. <laughs> um, this week, our girl of the week is officially to the New York Times. I should have been maybe more specific and shout out the writer of this article, but I didn't click it. I don't pay for the New York Times. I only have a limited number of articles. I wasn't even going to go through the effort of going into airplane mode and, you know, getting it the freeway. You guys know you can do that, right? Like, if there's an article that you want to read, <clears throat> shh, shh. there's an article that you want to read that's behind a paywall, just, um, and you've reached your limit for the month, just take your mobile data off, okay? And then click on the article and then very quickly go into airplane mode and it tricks the system. You didn't hear that from me, okay? You didn't hear that from me. Anyway, um, I just read the headline, like I said, or the tweet headline or whatever, and it says, Apple has a Will Smith problem. Smith is a star of Emancipation, a $120 million film set during a Civil War era that Apple envisioned as a surefire Oscar contender when it wrapped filming earlier this year. But that was before the slap. <sighs> Can you hear my eyes rolling? Like, are we still talking about this? Are we still talking about this as though it is like in the forefront of the cultural zeitgeist is something that we still need to be addressing as a nation. Please miss me with this. Like, let it go. We've all discussed this ad nauseum, probably within the fir first 18 hours, you know, like what else could there be? Watch the movie or don't. Okay. <laughs> like watch the movie or don't. And if you're that much of a nerd to not watch this movie because of uh, a man putting uh, one hand on another man um, for disrespecting his wife, then ugh, I don't know what to tell you. Then don't watch it. You know, I don't think that this is something that we need to talk about. I don't think that like, and, and they're clearly like racial aspects to this that are like very obvious of why are we like continuing to ha have this narrative he has been uh, punished or whatever, reprimanded by the Academy. He's talked about it. She's talked about it. Jada's talked about it. Chris has talked about it. We're all very clear on where everybody stands. You know, they're not fucking with each other. Okay, fine. Fair enough. It is what it is. He's not pressing charges. So why are you? <laughs> why are we continuing to uh, bemoan this subject? Nobody cares. Not a single one. And, you know, I'm hard pressed to look at a Twitter, you know, when things get ratioed and you see a bunch of quote tweets that are um, not in proportion to the actual retweets, you know, some shit went down. Typically when things happen of a, um, when things happen to a black person, uh, more likely than not the people who are defending that black person or other black people. Right. But this case, it was bitch Benetton. Okay. Everybody was like, stop talking about this. We don't care. I promise you don't, we don't care. I forgot about this. We've moved on. Let it go. Nobody cares. Here's here. The Rick gag is here's what I think. I think this movie is probably bad. I think it was bad regardless of what happened. And I think Apple knows that. And I think what they're probably doing is planting stories like this 
pre uh, preliminary stories uh, that are going to paint it into a negative light. Because why would you mention like it was a hundred twenty million dollar movie? Why would you feel the need to mention that in in like the first snippet? That means to me, like they're trying to get ahead of this and blaming Will for it. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little bit paranoid, but like that's what I feel. I feel like this is probably a shitty movie. <laughs> Okay. And they're trying to, to blame him now for whatever loss that they make because of it. Cause that would be easier than just saying that the, the thing wasn't good to begin with. So I think this is very lame. Uh, I think this is very lame for the writer. I think it's so lame that you thought that anybody would care. I think it's lame that you wrote this. I think it's lame that you got however many dollars per word for this. I think it's lame that you like really thought you did something. I think it's lame that you send it to your editor. I think it's lame that your editor thought this was somebody, something anybody would care about now. And I think it's lame that they push submit. Honestly, I think it's lame of the uh, publishing software that they use for accepting it. Okay? So, there's where I am. (laughs) Moving on. Let's move on to somebody who we should be focusing on. Somebody that I haven't spoken about on this podcast every damn near week this summer. I was like, hmm. I put this person on the docket and was like, I don't really want to talk about them. I really don't. But now we have to. Okay? Because I think... If we're going to talk about Will, let's mention it all. And let's talk about Ezra Miller, finally, okay? Um, Ezra Miller, if you guys don't know, uses uh, they, them pronouns. They uh, identify as a transgender non-binary person. If I'm, uh, I think that is a direct quote. I'm not sure. But they use they, them pronouns. And so I'm going to try my very hardest to adhere to that. I here's the thing it's not that i you guys know obviously i respect trans people it's i have that thing of like when i know i should change something i i say the wrong thing it's like there, i put so much pressure on me that i fuck up intentionally <laughs> like it's i subconsciously fuck up knowing that i should be correcting myself so i hope that makes sense um please i i, I you know hopefully i've built up enough credit that you guys know i mean no harm so let's talk about ezra <sighs> bitch was i mean where do we even start i guess we got to start in 2020 this is really when things really got the ball rolling with ezra and all of their um uh misdeeds improprieties m- mischief mayhem damn near murder <laughs> what what to even say so ezra's been accused of things across the country not even the contiguous United States, but also in Hawaii. Um, they have been accused of throwing a chair that hit a woman in a forehead at a bar, uh, threatened a couple in their bedroom, stole their wallet and uh, their passport. <clears throat> Excuse me, this was in Hawaii. Um, they had an incident at a, an establishment, a tiki bar called Margarita Village in Hilo, Hawaii, um, in which they were shouting profanities and spit it in a patron's face and grab the microphone from a woman singing karaoke to shallow from a star is born now you know do i need to mention this no but i thought maybe this a star is born part was justified but we can move on there i mean there's a lot other stuff going on i always want to be fair to the subject and i can't personally say that you know maybe after a couple of i don't know uh uh belvedere's in a short glass three lemons carcass out that I wouldn't try to pull the plug on somebody singing shallow myself. 
I think I wouldn't be above that behavior. Anyway, um, it, they go on to do a lot of things. They were in Iceland in which they allegedly choked two people, um, breaking into a home in a neighbor's home in Vermont to steal alcohol. This got, uh, Ezra a felony charge and yeah, things have really just been out of control pretty consistently for the past couple of years. Uh, if you guys don't know, Ezra is the star of a franchise comic franchise called the flash they're the flash and uh warner brothers who is the production company behind it is really uh they've been really dragging their feet about this whole thing so you know this is why it adds another layer onto the will smith stuff is ezra's been out here in these streets really being like a dennis the menace and a tasmanian devil like, and I, you know, uh, there are a lot of abusive shit happening in here, so I don't want to, you know, make too much light of it. But, um, you know, for Warner to just be like, well, just now, <laughs> like in the past month, after years now, um, to be like, well, we're going to get them help. Okay. And, and like, great. But like, where have you been this whole time? You know, that person's the head of a comic franchise is basically the only way to make money in Hollywood these days and you didn't want to jump in on trying to correct their behavior until now. But Will Smith is something that we need to be talking about. Like make it make sense to me. It doesn't. So to add on to that in June, there were not one, but two production orders uh, issued against Ezra. The first one was issued in a tribal court in North Dakota by Chase Iron Eyes, a Native American businessman, and his wife, Sarah Jumping Eagle. This was uh, put on behalf of their 18-year-old Takata Iron Eyes, who actually goes by the name of Gibson. They were accusing Ezra Miller of grooming and brainwashing and emotionally abusing um, uh, Takata, who has been in communication with Ezra since they were 12. I guess they met online or something, and they've had some sort of relationship every ever since. Gibson, Takata, moved out to live with Ezra. They hadn't been in contact. There was a very... Um, a, a video that, that Gibson put out that was like, I'm okay, you know, the typical stuff. We don't know the whole story. I'm fine. My parents are, you know, we're not in a good state, whatever. But it was not, I don't think it inspired a lot of confidence in people. I would encourage people to look it up. Maybe I will put this in the episode description, but you guys know I say that and, um, you know, I'm kind of like Sheree with my promises on putting things in the episode description. So do with that information what you will. Um, yeah, the, the video did not inspire a lot of confidence in terms of being like, uh, this seems like a very uncomfortable situation. Um, yeah, they ended up withdrawing the case because they felt like look, their kid is 18. There probably wasn't going to be a whole lot that they could do about the situation. So they let it go legally anyway. And the second order was requested by a mother in Massachusetts claiming that Ezra's <clears throat> interest, excuse me, claiming that Ezra's interest in her own non-binary 12 year old made her and the child uncomfortable. There were incidents that happened between the child and Ezra between February and June of this year. Ezra denies those allegations let's move on because there's still more so like i said 
August 15th, just a few weeks ago, Ezra admitted that they were in the midst of an intense crisis and issued a statement saying, I now understand that I am suffering complex mental health issues and have begun ongoing treatment. I want to apologize to everyone that I have alarmed and upset with my past behavior and committed to doing the necessary work to get back to a healthy, safe and productive stage in my life. Um, now this, I failed to mention in the beginning, I got from a Vanity Fair article. I'm just pulling out like the, I mean, I can't even say these are all of the highlights. It is a very lengthy article that I encourage you to read on your own, but I'll go on. Uh, so personal people in, in Ezra's circle, people who claim to have or are friends with uh, them currently have spoken out and they've really not minced words about this whole situation. There are three people, including two people who, like I said, have known, they said that they've known Ezra for over a decade. They say that in terms of the incidents that happened in Iceland, that they were maybe spurned by Ezra's parents getting divorced. So, the, the divorce happened in 2019. They had been married for decades and Ezra's dad quickly remarried, which I guess spiraled Ezra out of control. And they say Ezra didn't start freaking out and losing control of themselves in public until after this happened. The Iceland incident happened and then it just kept going and going and going. I think people remember that one of those incidents happened. It got viral on Twitter, but People didn't really know what to make of it because Ezra was in, you know, it looked like a toy store or something, or they were in a toy section and, and they're having this kind of weird conversation with a person who had come up to Ezra, a girl, and all of a sudden Ezra just starts choking the girl and like choking and she's going on the ground and the camera stops when the person who's recording is like whoa 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 like this is going too far because at first it's like they're kind of laughing and it seems like a joke but then it just like keeps going going they're like "Ooh, this is like weird like let's shut it down so then the second incident in in iceland happened or actually went viral in april of 2020 so they um there was a, a woman in the bar joked about fighting Ezra and Ezra's reaction was to put their hands around the woman's neck and push her to the ground. And so then the bartender said that he ended up locking Ezra out of the bar. So later Ezra says, Ezra's a friend of Ezra says that she overheard the actor on a call with Warner brothers after that incident claiming to be the injured party. It was Warner brothers listening and Miller was spewing uh, their poor me speech. I also, um, I don't know if I should be doing this. I don't know. I don't know if I should be using like direct quotes because Ezra's friends use he, him pronouns to describe Ezra. And I think this next quote might uh, explain why they seem to not have respect for the pronouns in Ezra's case. I, I don't know. Like, it seems like they respect trans people, but they don't seem to believe that Ezra is trans. And so they use he, him pronouns. So I'm not sure if I should use direct quotes and say him, or is it, should I still use them? You know, I'm going to use them just to be safe, but I think it's important to note that they are using him, he, him pronouns. And I think it's for a very pointed reason. 
Okay, so like I said, the uh, friend or associate of Ezra says, it was Warner Brothers listening to Miller spewing their poor me speech. I'm the one who was hated on. So you have an almost 30-year-old who is a partier telling Warner Brothers that they were the victim. Ezra's rep says that the actors was baited by a group of teens about their mixed martial arts skills. And that's why he decided to choke. But then the rep says that the choking was not a choking but a quote spontaneous reaction during which the actor went at her collarbone okay so like i said in 2018 ezra came out as non-binary and polyamorous did an interview with playboy saying uh, they're talking about the free love environment that they created for themselves referring to it as a quote polycule a portmanteau of polyamorous and molecule so according to three people who know Ezra, the polycule is less of a democratic society than an ever-shifting, quote, court harem of mostly young women. A friend of the actor says, an openly poly- polyamorous lifestyle, that's not inherently wrong to me. But Miller's situation, in their opinion, is actually, this is a direct quote, it's actually a patriarchal dictatorship where Ezra controls all the sex as the man and plays the women against each other, screams at them, belittles them in front of others. Then there's young people in the actor's orbit who have included a uh, English person named Rosie who told Vanity Fair that she's Miller's quote partner and Takata Iron Eyes. So multiple people, multiple people described the actor Ezra stranding Rosie and Iron Eyes without transportation or money and humiliating them openly. And an old friend partly blames Yes Man who watched it all happen. Even though I've learned that Ezra's such an asshole, I don't think it exonerates the people that were happy to eat off Ezra's plate until it didn't suit them anymore. I think they ended up probably accidentally being complicit in real weird abuses in power and celebrity. So I'm going to leave you guys with that. I, like I said, check out Vanity Fair. The article about it has a lot more information, but I thought that was very, very interesting. Um, There are currently some people who are on Twitter now saying that this was an intentional hit piece and that Ezra's done their due diligence and everything's fine. And how dare y'all. But I mean, I think all of these incidents speak for themselves. (sighs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think a lot of people could have intervened clearly. Um, Ezra has a lot of money, you know, enough money to have access to great mental health, a lot of access to people who can get them access to great mental health. And I, you know, like Kanye, you know, I try to be fair to the fact that when you have mental health crises and you're in the midst of it, that you're not really being reasonable, but it's also very difficult for me to watch people who have all the access and money in the world, not do anything and also be coddled for it. When there are people who don't have, and will never have that sort of access who would just like love to be in a position where they can actively work on their mental health. It's very frustrating for me, you know? So we'll move on. Cause I could go on about that all day. <laughs> Let's um, brighten up with our, can I get a hell? Yeah. You guys know it. You guys know it. I saw the headline this weekend and I just, uh, I was just so happy. So Candy Burris, queen of real housewives of Atlanta. I don't care what you guys have to say. You can roll your eyes all you want. Okay. 
It's the truth. Um, she was on an Amazon live live stream. Cause you know what? She never misses a beat or a check. She told us that. And that's true. And she announced that she will, she will be back for real houses of Atlanta. This was not like a, what the typical housewives do of, you know, we haven't discussed anything and I don't know. And I would wish to be back. She said, no, I will be. And you can print that. Okay. And they did. So she says, <laughs> she was talking, she starts off talking about the, um, seating arrangements of the reunion, right? Cause we're all led to believe that it's very important who sits closest to Andy is who has the most security with regard to coming back next, next season. And then the further away you get, the more out of orbit you are. So Candy says that that's not really true. That it's really more, if you're sitting closest to Andy, it's because you had the biggest storyline or the most drama happening, which is why uh, it went to Sheree and Marlo. And she says, first of all, I was at the end of season, the season before. Did you not see me back last season, season 14? And guess what? You will see me back for season 15. We're starting again soon. So get sick of me. You're going to get sick of me. <laughs> and I love her. I love her. I'm a candy apologist through and through. Um, she's my queen. And I don't care what anybody says about that. Like how candy is with her mama. I am with candy. Okay. Where you see me, she is me and I am her. Okay. And we see each other. <laughs> so um, this would make her the senior most housewife of all, of all the land. Uh, the rest of the ladies, so this would make her season 15. She's 15 seasons in. Um, the rest of the ladies, like Rhea Ramona, um, I'm not sure who else, they would only be clocking in at 13 seasons. So, you know, I just love that. I love the the double entendre. I don't know if that's the right term, but I'm going to use it, of Candy being a queen. Candy number one. And also, as the, the extra cherry on top of just beating Ramona and something, there's no connection between them. But like just the petty parts of me, I love that. I really do. So congratulations, Candy. Congratulations to me. And congratulations to everybody because she's a blessing. Thank you. Let's move on. Speaking of housewives or the extended housewife universe, y'all, Shannon Bedore's husband, David Bedore, ex-husband, David Bedore, um, has announced that after a whopping whirlwind 23 months, he um, is filed for divorce from that chick, Leslie, that he married, the chick that was like 20 years younger than him, he had a kid with. They, you guys, ugh, ugh. To know about this relationship is to have to be dragged through the muck and yuck of their very like open social media attention mongering my man my 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 man my man but bitch your man left you for dead ho okay you were up there in a mountain with your ass out kissing this man in some hiking boots and now look at you divorced and not to not to point the blame at leslie but like girl what did you think did you think that this man like we all know Orange County for what it is, girl. I've been in Orange County one time in my life in Huntington Beach. I, the worst, oh God, the worst brunch of my whole life. The worst. <laughs> I think, you know, now that we're like through the Trump era and uh, the COVID era, we know um, as a nation, we know how hunting, Huntington Beach rolls. And so for me to have an experience in which I had a brunch, you guys, literally, literally, 
It was like they did not put a speck of spice, not a salt, not a flake of salt, not a pepper, nothing. So I'm eating this meal thinking, my God, am I in prison? I asked the waitress for salt. She said, we don't have any. What? I'm not even like, I'm not one to salt my shit. Like if I go to the, you know, if I go to McDonald's, like I'm not extra salt. That's not me. I'm not that girl. So for me to be like this, you know, like usually I trust the process. Usually I trust the process of the places that I'm going to because I'm, I'm very well vetted. We don't have to get into this, but for me to like have, be like, where is the flavor? That's, that's never happened to me before. And I hope it never happens again. Where was I? What am I happening? Brunch. Okay, David. (laughs) So (laughs) my point is, I think that we have an idea of what Orange County is. Now, I think that at this point, Leslie and I are age peers, so she should know you're marrying a 57-year-old man who just divorced a woman who was on the Real Housewives of Orange County. Did you not think for one second, did it not cross your mind that, you know, when he's like abandoning his children that he had with her and like being really all in with you and love bombing the shit out of you that you might be a rebound, you know? Then he gave these, gives you this like gigantic performative ring and he's like, want, <laughs> ugh. like talk about giving you the ick. A man who wants to get butt ass naked with you making out and post it on Instagram, you are 50 Seven. 57 with your yeeks out on the mountain are you kidding me have y'all not seen this picture they posted several of those pictures naked on a mountain like i <laughs> ugh. and that did not occur to you that like maybe this wasn't the right move for me i don't know it's just very confusing but anyway um so according to court documents this was obtained by of course dmz David cited her reconcile differences and lists her uh, separation date as September 15th. So he's seeking joint physical and legal custody of their 19-month-old daughter named Anna Love. And um, he also doesn't want to pay spousal support. So he she did sign a prenup and, well, I think it will be working in David's favor. So, girl, I mean, listen, <laughs> what can we say? We, we can't say anything. I, I mean, I, I said what I said. What a laugh. What a laugh. Shannon Bedore must be cackling in that house of her, just like biting right into a lemon and just scream laughing. Can you see it? You can imagine it. Moving on. Um, okay, this really made me laugh. This really made me laugh. I saw it on page six. Um, apparently, Asher, uh, fiance question mark to um diana over at real housewives of beverly hills you know the the singer man with the hair and the lisa renna outfits he well his twitter account rather (laughs) somebody found tweets of you know you can easily look through people's liked tweets on twitter right that's how they found out about army you guys remember and they found out that he was liking tweets about women being tied up that like years ago and everybody's like, oh, oh what a, he's a little kinky boy. Let's that's funny and hot. Yeah, how'd that turn out? Anyway, um, you can go through people's like tweets, and there was a fan account called Mad Beefs who was like, Oh, uh, excuse me, screenshot, click, click, click. So in his liked tweets, there was um some interesting ones, including Diana Jenkins is a horrible person inside and out, and the only reason that Asher was even on the show is to promote himself. 
I bet she even paid for it, exclamation point. There was another one that said, donating your money to charities is nice, but it doesn't make you a good person. But I, you know, this could be a reference clearly to the fact that Diana announced that she was going to be donating $100,000 to uh, support the widows and victims of one of Erica Jane's and Tom Girardi's many legal cases. I told you guys in that recap with Maya that um, I thought that whole thing to be a little bit dubious because um, she didn't do a direct donation. What she did is she put a hundred thousand dollars into her, uh, her own foundation and then asked the victims to basically apply to receive some of those funds, which I think is a little bit sketchy, but whatever. There is a third tweet <laughs> that said simply Diana's boring. And Asher apparently hit a like on that. So I don't know. It says page six goes on to say that they were reached out to by Asher saying that he's not responsible, that he has some sort of social media manager that lives in London. I'm not sure why they felt the need to mention that, but um, that does the job of randomly liking posts. uh, But did you read the tweets? (laughs) Like, did you just search? R-H-O-B-H, Asher, and just liked whatever three tweets came because how could there possibly be more three, more than three tweets about Asher? I'm not sure. But it seems weird that, like, why wouldn't you just, like, look at them? Like, it doesn't take you long to read Diana's Boring. I mean, that doesn't even have Asher's name in it. So, you know, <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. If you have a social media manager that's so lazy that they can't read simply three words and think, I can't like that. I don't really know what to tell you. Do I believe this story? No. <laughs> because, you know, it's like they always say when you add too many details, like, why do they have to mention that the, the person was from London? Who cares? What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> they can read English. Hello. Where did you think that originated? So, I don't know. This call seems like BS, and I just think it's funny. I just think it's funny. Anyway. Okay, well... That is it for our pop culture roundup of the week. And uh, we're moving on to the Love is Blind three-part after the Ultra recap, after these messages. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. 
Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. Dana is the other woman. She's still trying to tear me down when I've done nothing to her. There's your trust. Much more has happened. I need to tell my truth. If you don't make it, you move. I just don't want you to regret it. Are you nervous? A little bit. My parents know everything. Is there something that you're not sharing? He's never been held accountable. He's immature. Made my bed. I got to lay in it. Is this a mistake that we made, or is it something that should be fought for? If we take it there, it could be the best thing ever. But what if it doesn't work out? All right, y'all, let's get into the three-part Love is Blind after the Ultra series. I watch it so you don't have to. Wouldn't recommend it unless you, like, have, uh, like, chores to do or something. (laughs) Definitely not must-see TV. Would I say that it was better than last season's After the Altar? Uh, yeah, because I think there was a little bit more. It seemed like last season's After the Altar was just, like, uh, drama between, um, what was that guy's name? Griffin? <laughs> you know, the white couple that ended up getting married that people didn't really care for about, like, not like Lauren and Cameron. Cameron's so hot, you guys. Mm. What was his name? Bennett? You know who I'm talking about. Anyway, the one that he, he married that crazy lady with the the credit card debt and uh he didn't like he was like afraid of the chick that he was like he was choosing between her and another chick uh jessica and then he was just like afraid of her the whole time and like couldn't make direct eye contact with her when they saw her at the after the altar special that was really the only drama right i felt like there was a lot more drama in chicago um if you could call it that so let's talk about it the the premise of the three-part series is that Nick and Danielle are planning a getaway, whatever weekend that's going to double as a eighties themed party for Natalie. Nick and Danielle are the golden couple. Like there are Cameron and Lauren of the season, which really seems like an incredible insult to both Cameron and Lauren. (laughs) So if you guys hear this, I'm sorry. I'm only using this in the sense that, like, they have deemed, Netflix has deemed them the golden couple, but, like, when I say de facto, put that shit in all caps, because <laughs> uh, there's no, like, I am i don't think anybody vibes with Nick and Danielle. I don't think people see the love there. They're two strange people, and not even in an entertaining way. You know what I mean? Like, they're just, like, Two unpleasant people who are fortunately paired with each other, at least, at least until the end of the (laughs) the series. Um, And it's, uh, they're not pleasant to watch. They're really not. But they have to be the leaders because there's literally nobody else, as we find out. Things with Ayana and uh, Jarrett, bad. Real bad. (laughs) Like, real, real bad. (laughs) So, um... They, 
establish nobody wants Shake there. If Shake is there, we're not going. So um, that was basically the only mention of Shake that we got. It was just like not a single one of us is fucking with him. And clearly behind the scenes, they were like, we're not doing this. It seems like this cast has a lot more power, or at least they're a lot more aware of the powers that they might have, because it seems like they got real selective as to who got invited to this, despite the fact that this is not their show. And uh, it seems like it really should have been a lot more up to production than who got to be there and who didn't. So I thought that was weird. So let's talk about Shane and Natalie and where they're at. Shane, who seems a lot less... um, wired if you will (laughs) he seems a lot less wired he is not any less uncomfortable to watch on television he just seems to be a little bit more um mellow would not be the word um just like he he just looks a little less like gary Busey. that's really all i can say there just seems to be like a different cocktail happening here like he's clearly gotten the message that he's he was given right and and he's uh acted accordingly it's not really working but you know maybe i mean maybe to get your eyes on that and like the headbands that he wears at one point he wore a headband and that was a strange choice but anyway he um we first see him with shana shana remember was the the girl that was like in between he and natalie this whole time and she's a hairstylist and so the first scene is him getting a haircut with shana and he basically says that since the end of filming, he and Natalie have been on and off the entire time. Engage, unengage, re-engage, dating, on and off. But finally, Natalie just cut it off. And he says, I respect that. She told me she didn't want anything to do with me. And I respect that. Um, and so now he's like on his eat, pray, love journey. What he says. I think at some point he says he wants to go to Panama. good luck um so shana just acknowledges that she got a lot of flack for entertaining both kyle and shane by us but now she's with her perfect greek christian man named christos and you know i would say that i feel like the producers really overshot perhaps how much the audience would care about shana's new relationship although it was funny to see her fawn over some dude it was just very performative like do i love pda no but i can tolerate and even enjoy people who have a clear uh intimacy and and comfortness with each other like when it's natural it's not uncomfortable but this was just very like oh like i need to be touching him constantly while we're eating and looking longingly into his eyes they go to dinner on a double date with nick and danielle and she's just like hands all over him oh baby like it's just very like we love each other so much and here's how we met and and this man has a personality of like just like every like (sighs) the man is a fuck boy and he's a fuck boy and an idiot and she keeps wanting over this guy and i'm like girl okay whatever i mean we don't have to down christos it's not his fault it's not his fault. Um, what I will say is that he does, when asked if he's going to propose to Shayna, he does say that he works a lot. And so that's why he hasn't proposed yet. 
that's not an answer I've heard before. Doesn't seem like a good excuse, but whatever. I kind of feel like if you have time to be filming this show, you got time to put a ring on my finger, my brother. But okay, never mind. Um, Nick and Danielle are claiming to have be in complete wedded bliss. Their life is totally in sync with each other. They're living together. They're making claims, a lot of claims about how great their life is and how nice it is to feel like really stable. Like to be able to have plans one to two years out and know that it's going to be with that partner. Like that's what they're really enjoying. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that was really it. That was really it. Oh, <laughs> during that dinner, that double date with, uh, Shana and Christos, Nick does lie and say that he, um, they were talking about like, whether or not they can handle spice. Nick says that he can't. And the reason why he was so sweaty on the wedding day, which he got roasted to hell for, um, was because he had eaten some spicy feta before the ceremony. Okay. That's really concerning. That is, that was a lot of sweat, my guy. (laughs) For a couple crumbles of feta, but okay, whatever. Okay. So let's get into Ayana and Jarrett. Um, while Nick and Danielle are acting like their whole life is perfect, Ayanna is saying, like, she's not mincing words at all. She's saying that it's kind of like they're still in the experiment and that there have been a lot of growing pains with moving in and she lets the chopper spray on Jared immediately. He has really gross bathroom habits. He, um, likes to poop while she's taking a shower, which she says, you know, I really don't enjoy because now I'm like in a sauna situation with your bowel movements. So thank you very much. And basically just like a lot of bathroom related trauma happening. So then Ayana says that Jared still hasn't gotten used to the fact that he's married. So one of their issues along with the fact that he was entertaining Mallory and proposed to her and she said no. And so Ayana was clearly uh, his second choice, but he tried to act like she wasn't that um, his second problem was that he was like a party boy, really extroverted, like to kick it with his boys, like to go out and stay out. And he's still having an issue with that apparently. And apparently he's not even coming back home until seven o'clock in the morning at times. So when Jared says, um, he's like, that's not true. Ayanna looks at him and goes, lie again. Why don't you lie again, Jared? Like, she's sick of him. She is sick of his shit, y'all. Ooh, there's so much to talk about with him. Let's get into Kyle. So Kyle left by Shayna. Deep tea. During the reunion, we found out that we didn't see this, but Kyle and Deep T had a sort of thing in the pods and he ended up going with Shayna instead. And he said during the reunion, I actually really regret like not moving forward with Deep T instead. So if you guys have been seeing anything of their social media behavior, it's been very obvious that they um, love hanging out with each other, love the attention of uh, hanging out with each other and people being like, ooh. Like, I ship you guys. You guys are so cute. Like, they are really, really leaning into that. I think that they've been together this whole time and they didn't really want to or they weren't allowed to get into it until after the altar. I could be wrong, but Kyle says they hang out like three or four times a week. So Okay, so let me backtrack. He goes to drinks with Jarrett and Shane. 
and they're all talking about where they're at and their relationships or their dating life. So Kyle meets up with them and he says that he's not ready to date right now. <laughs> and uh yeah that he's like just trying to take things slow and he's really pretending like he and deep tea aren't hanging out with each other but he says you know sexually but he says that they hang out like three or four times a week and then he's like he goes you know it's just scary because deep tea says that she's looking for her person and i just think that's a lot of pressure what you proposed to a girl who didn't even like you you met deep tea on a show where both of y'all were willing to marry somebody who didn't know. And now her saying that she still wants to be married to somebody is too much pressure for you. How does that happen? Then he says that there is just like a lot of sexual tension between them. And he's just really like being the nice guy who is just saying, you know, I just don't want to cross that line. We're such good friends. I just want to be sure before I, before I take that step. And ugh, I hate that. I, I find that so annoying. Then Jarrett tells the boys what he's been up to, and this shit didn't make any sense. And let me, I'm going to walk through it with you guys. So he says, Jarrett says, that after he got married to Ayana, he got all this pressure in his head to go into supportive mode, to, you know, provider mode. And so he got two part-time jobs in addition to his full-time job, working security at a club and bartending. <laughs> And then he talks about how, you know, I, Ayana wants me to transition out of my party lifestyle and it's just been really difficult for me. So here's my thing. Over the course of these three episodes, they talk or they refer to Jared's drinking as overindulging. And I think... Maybe we need to be a little bit more honest and change our vocabulary about what's going on with Jarrett. Because to me, if one of your issues going into your marriage was the fact that you party and that you're out all night with your friends, kicking it, acting very single, and that that was one of the major things that you needed to change. You get married. You decide that you need to be a man and provider and moneymaker. Okay. But the two jobs that you get put you right back into that lifestyle that was an issue. So to me, it sounds like Jarrett has a problem. And that instead of fixing the problem, he found a way to justify being in those situations and being like, hey, I'm trying to be a provider to you so that he has more of an excuse. And then he could say, oh, well, you know, my I'm in the clubs at the bar um, working security or I'm bartending and, you know, my shift ends at two o'clock in the morning and my friends just happen to be out. And I'm just like, well, why don't I stay out? And then I go out for another couple drinks and one of you know, it's four five, six, seven in the morning and oops. But you know, I was in the club because I was working, you know, it just seems to me like he found a way to continue. Y'all see what I mean? <laughs> like if you had a peanut allergy, would you apply to a part-time job at the Skippy factory? I don't think you would. Y'all feel me? <laughs> anyway, we'll have to circle back to them later, but let's move on to Natalie and her side of the story with Shane. 
So she says that after several months, uh, she decided that she needed to close the door on Shane forever. So she reached out to him and says to us, she tells us, excuse me, that there have been a lot of lies and that she just can't trust Shane anymore. So she goes out to drinks with the girls, but she meets up with Ayana first. And she says that she's really been very honest about the fact about Ayana tells Natalie, I've been really honest about the fact that like Jared and I have the same conversation over and over and over again about him overindulging and that she's just at the point where she thinks that that's just who he is and that he's never been held accountable before. And then she tells Natalie that she moved out of their apartment and moved back into her place. She says, Ayanna says in a confessional that she didn't move out because she didn't love Jared. She just felt like he grew up in such a strict household because, you know, his dad's a pastor, but now he's out by himself and he's out here. He's out here, real out here. And the fact that he's been so resistant to improving that is scary to her. So she moved out. Um, Mallory comes in. She says that she's still single. She's not speaking to Sal. And then Natalie tells the rest of the ladies that she found some DMs on Instagram on Shane's account between having conversations with Shayna and that some of them were like unsent, meaning like they were trying to cover their tracks. And then she says that these messages were sent not only when she and Shane were on, but also when Shayna was over with uh, her current boyfriend. So both of them were doing some grimy shit, according to Natalie. And then Natalie says that Shayna told Shane in one of these messages to come after Natalie at the reunion. And she claims that Natalie, Natalie claims that she confronted Shane about it. He fully admitted to this, but she feels like Shayna is a perpetual liar. She's not comfortable being around her anymore. And she just like, doesn't want to see her. So in a confessional, Natalie says that Shane made an Instagram post that Natalie responded to and that they were going back and forth talking about like things like what their sex life would be like had they gotten together, like real weird stuff. So this is all setting us up for their weekend away, right? So everybody gets to the house. Sal shows up with his girlfriend, Jesse. Y'all, the bad thing about Jesse is that she is extremely annoying and we have to watch her like who was Molly Shannon's character on SNL like I like to kick and stretch and kick like just kicking up her leg on the couch screeching screaming like begging for attention you know that girl at the party who just loves attention she'll do a split in the middle of the thing just to get all eyes on her like that kind of vibe is what jesse has loud obnoxious like just not for me right uh the good thing is that apparently sal doesn't play ukulele anymore so you know (laughs) we're all improving jared and ayana are at the house they're still very much acting like they're together but she has a conversation with natalie like a one-off conversation in bedroom where she says that she still hasn't moved in because she doesn't want to be waiting at home. She's doing it for her own mental health. Like I'm not going to be moving in a situation in which I'm running myself ragged and being super insecure and obsessing over what he's doing. When Jared is going to come home waiting up, like I'm not going to do it. So I'm going to go back to my house where I can sleep soundly and not worry 
about what time those keys are going to be jingling in that door. Like, I can't do it. So then Jarrett and Ayana go off to themselves and have this really sad conversation in which Ayana says, I love you as a person, but sometimes I don't see the value in having you as a partner. That's deep. That's like real deep. And he seemed to have no reaction to that. Um, So Jarrett tells her that when he was packing, he was just, when she was packing up her shit to move out, he was just speechless and he was desperate to work things out. But why wouldn't the first thing you do to be to quit your two jobs that require you to be out partying? Hello? Or putting you in a position where you need to be coming home at night and not respecting your marriage. Like there are very obvious um, solutions to this. And you keep talking about how scared you are and how badly you want to fix this. And yet you're not doing those two things. Like how badly does Jared need those two jobs on top of his full-time job? I'm sure that he could easily be making that recouping that money off of easy work, you know, like cameos or, um, you know, spawn con, something that he could be doing with Ayana because they could be making a brand out of each other. Like y'all could be making more money together than him working a couple nights at the club. Like this doesn't make sense to me, guy. You know, it's like, it, it's like telling somebody, I really, really want to take this knife out of your back that I stabbed you with, but I, you know, like, I really want to do it. I really want to, but you're still bleeding out. You know what I mean? So things are awkward. Mallory's like kind of sitting in the corner elsewhere at this party. Like she's having to ignore that Sal and Jesse are screaming and making out with each other all over the house. And Sal decides that like he's weird. Y'all, Sal's very weird. And I think that he thinks that he's coming off as a very nice guy, but he really rubs me the wrong way. And he very clearly is uh, chapped. His ass was chapped, y'all, about whatever went down between he and Mallory. Do I like Mallory? Not particularly. Do I like Sal? Even less. Um, I feel like we're definitely not getting the full story on either one of them. Both of them seem sinister to me, but honestly, after watching this, I felt like Sal really came out worse, worse than Mallory for sure. Um, so he has like noticed that Mallory is obviously uncomfortable that his girlfriend is around. Like, why do you even need to be here? Why does Sal even need to be here? Frankly, (laughs) We could have never mentioned Sal and I, I wouldn't have even missed him. Not at all. But he decides that he needs to have a conversation with Mallory to try to like punch, uh, punch the tension. Cut what? (laughs) To cut the tension. (laughs) But while they're talking, Jesse cuts in on their conversation and says, you know, like, I just want to talk to you one-on-one Mallory. So Sal goes away and this is what Sal wants. This is what Sal wants. Like Sal wants his new girl to check the one that he feels like scorned him. This is what he wants. Like he wants those two girls. This is like what I say when you got to watch out for those nice guys, because they're just a sinister. He wanted, he wants Jesse to come for her and he wants to watch it. And he wants her to do his bidding. This is it. It's so weird. So like I said, Jesse cuts in and she's like, nice nasty like real nice nasty she's like gosh you know I just want to make sure that you know that I would never want anybody to you know be feel bad but 
you know, like I, I'm good. I'm really good on you, Mallory. And like, I don't think about you at all. Like, I'm not worried about you at all, girl. Like, what? <laughs> Why would you have to say that? Like, she basically came in and be like, you know, I know I'm that bitch. And I know that like you are a real beta. And as the fact that you're an underling, like, I just want you to know that like, clearly I know I'm better than you. So I'm not intimidated by you, you know? Hug? <laughs> Love you, girl. So Mallory's just staring at Jesse like, <laughs> okay, okay. So what? for whatever reason, Sal says in a confessional that Mallory having her walls up during this situation in which Jesse's just talking at her is a bad look for her and says that she needs to grow up. And now watching this, he knows that he made the right decision by leaving her at the altar. <laughs> like, okay, this is a lot of energy for a situation. Like, of course she would be uncomfortable. Of course. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Why would that be, like, a reason to be like, well, I'm glad I didn't marry you, idiot. How dare you be intimidated by my girlfriend who's screaming all over the place. <laughs> and we're making out. And her labia is all over me. Ew, I don't like you. <laughs> Very weird. Um, at one point, Kyle and Deep Tea, they have a conversation at the house in which they're like, you know, we really like each other and we just don't want to make sure that we ruin that okay the conversation didn't go anywhere i'm not even sure why i wrote notes about it um so they get to the 80s party Shayna decides that she is gonna show up and it's just very weird and awkward because there's tension between she and natalie there's also tension between danielle and Shayna because natalie told danielle all this stuff and Shayna's like mm, that seems really sketchy Shayna and now like how can I trust you when my best friend Natalie told me all this shitty stuff about you so what Danielle decides to do is to go up to Shayna and be like this is really awkward um and I'm gonna tell you why I'm gonna tell you what Natalie said and how she told us all about these DMs that you sent and you were flirtatious and Shayna's like I did nothing of the sort I was with Christos he's right here um I found her reaction to be interesting interesting i found it to be the reaction of somebody who knows that they're going to be confronted with something and they have made the decision to be very chill about that they're like you know i'm gonna like really downplay this and be like very confident and cool so that people don't uh detect otherwise that that's the impression that i got and then 
After she has this conversation with Danielle, she turns to Christos and says, we're leaving in five minutes. And then she says something very interesting. She goes, Natalie is very smart. And basically, like, she's like, we just don't want to come up against that. So she tells Christos not to say anything. And then she's like, we're leaving in five minutes. And it wasn't even like, she could have played this like, oh, this is really disrespectful to me and insecure. And so I'm leaving. But it just felt like she was worried and she was like, let me just leave. So, and Christos, you don't say anything because then Natalie's going to let the chopper spray and I don't know what's going to come out of her mouth. So it just felt like she knew what she was doing. I don't know. It seems like everybody is in support of Natalie, except for Kyle. Kyle seems to not really fuck with her. He says in a confessional that he feels like Natalie is kind of an instigator and that she has this air of being professional, but He's like, but look, here's the thing. Shayna's moved on. She's got her man. And here's Natalie bringing up old shit and looking like really petty. So I thought that was interesting. Natalie gets a little bit activated and she says in a confessional, I've been like tired of holding on to people's secrets for so long because, you know, I thought that if I didn't say anything, it would be in my best interest, but I'm thinking that maybe my lying is just turning out protecting others and I'm not feeling any peace about this. So, oh, also Shayna revealed that she got engaged the night before, <laughs> like the night before the party. And so Natalie's like, I wonder if I should tell Christos. <laughs> she was really contemplating going full scorched earth. She doesn't do it though. She doesn't. Um, Shayna says in a confessional that this is all bullshit. She doesn't know why Natalie would say this other than just wanting to be a victim. And she claims that the most scandalous message that she and Shayna, Shane uh, exchanged with each other was like maybe referring to each other as sweet baby. But other than that, it's been real platonic. She's not going to let Natalie bring her down. So they leave. So. Everybody leaves for the weekend and we get a big scene of Ayana and Jarrett's parents who are going to be meeting for the first time since the wedding. Ayana told her parents everything about what's going on in their relationship, but Jarrett hasn't said shit. They don't know anything. So when they meet up for dinner, Jarrett introduces this as like the last time he saw Ayana's parents was around the holidays and didn't go well. If looks could kill, he'd be dead. So they all sit down for dinner. And Ayana's mom addresses the elephant in the room. She is a queen. I was obsessed with her. She's beautiful. I mean, we know she's very young. <laughs> and I just thought she was like, so like, she did it. She was ready for the camera. And I loved it. So she addresses the elephant in the room and says, uh, like, this is bad. Like, y'all situation is bad. What's going on? And Jared's dad is like, uh, is there something you're not sharing with me? So Jared says some bullshit about how his, he goes out and parties because his boys look to him as the leader of the pack and the party starter and the party closer. And the party doesn't start until Jared walks through. And so now he's got this responsibility to, I don't know. <laughs> continue his friend's alcohol abuse like what <laughs> leading them to what like you're not leading them into any sort of uh i don't know financial stability or moral <laughs> standard you're leading them to debauchery that's like not something that you should feel the pressure uh, the weight on your shoulders to continue 
Like, see the way he tries to make excuses for why he has to party. Like, that's concerning. That's not normal behavior. So at that point, Jarrett and Ayana's dad basically tag team back and forth and try to drill some sort of knowledge into him, saying that it doesn't make any sense that he's continuing to go out and not put his wife first. And Jared keeps talking about like what he needs to do and how he needs to make things right. And Ayana's mom respectfully checks him and says, okay, you keep talking about what you need to do, but do you actually want to do any of those things? Because I've very protective of my daughter. I've seen a lot of people disappoint Ayana and a lot of people will say a lot of things, but when push comes to shove, they don't keep up with their promise. So let us know now. And then she tells Ayana, listen, we're not going to sit here and just beat up on Jarrett continuously to make you feel better. Like that's not going to happen. It's not even productive. And you do bear some responsibility in that if this man is telling you that he's going to change and improve, then you need to give him the opportunity to do that if you guys are going to continue to be in a relationship. When they leave the restaurant, um, Ayana's mom takes Jarrett aside and is like, listen, I need you to know, like, for real. When I got that call from Ayana at 7 o'clock in the morning and when I saw that look in her eyes... I wanted to come down there and beat somebody's ass. Okay. Just to let you know. And um, don't let it happen again. Do not. He promises. Clearly he didn't deliver. Then one of the last scenes is Sal meeting up with his siblings. After that weekend to tell them about how he and Jesse have talked about getting engaged before. And I think we should um, let the record reflect that. I think Sal said that he met Jesse through his one of his siblings uh victoria who he's having a conversation with he's talking to two of them one of them set up jesse and sal so the reactions are really interesting all things considered like you think if you set somebody up with your brother that would be like a huge cosign on their character right because why would you want them to be your sister-in-law victoria doesn't really seem to like jesse <laughs> and just based on her reaction it's just it just seems weird. And it seems like they don't really think that they're a good match for each other. I don't know. Maybe I was reading too much into things, but um, I don't think I was. So like I said, he's talking about how they've been um, discussing getting engaged, but the sister tells him, I really think you should take your time. Like I like her, but you know, take your time on this. Then Sal reveals in a confessional that he's been, in his words, protecting Mallory and the people don't know the whole story. So he tells the siblings that one night he was, he got a call from Mallory and she was drunk slurring her words. So he walked back to the apartment and he sees somebody throw a cup of coffee and then he hears a drunk girl say, Hey, that's my coffee um, from out of their car. And so he looks in the car and as Mallory was some, what he describes as a random dude. And he apparently had gone to his sister's house to spend the night that night. And that's like the straw that broke the camel's back for Sal and their relationship. More on that later. So the sisters are giving him all these encouraging words about, you know, let this be a lesson about boundaries. And then Sal drops the bomb that he already bought Jesse an engagement ring. And the siblings burst out laughing. 
not like uh oh my god like we're excited no this was like <laughs> like the truth came out and they could not hide it they're like <laughs> like joke they had like girl not the reaction you would want to receive when you're about to show your siblings the engagement ring that you bought for somebody like ew, he did not read into that at all so they're like okay um <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> the end of the episode of the series was uh Shane and Shayna they meet up at Christos's uh, restaurant it's Canela for anybody who wants to go Canela with a K in Chicago and she tells him okay because Shane didn't go to that whole weekend right which goes to my earlier point of like why did why didn't he go why were they so picky and choosy about who could be at the house just seems like something they would force people to do but anyway um she gets him up to speed on the seven minutes that she was at the house and she tells him the rumors that she heard about natalie going through his phone and finding messages and so they just agree they're like natalie's so calculating and she's only interested in keeping her perfect image up and like you know even if it's at the expense of uh, shana's image and reputation like she doesn't care right but then Shane is like, yeah, like, she's, like, evil and calculating, but, you know, I'll always keep my heart open for her. And, like, there's always the door open and for us to get back together, even though she said that there was not a chance in hell. Like, so which one is it? Do you like her or not? Why are you keeping the door open on somebody that you feel like is lying about you to the public to make herself look better? Why? That's weird. Um, Ayana moves back in. Jarrett makes all these promises that his words are going to align with their actions and he makes her a little charcuterie board and uh, presents her with the same cake that they had on their wedding and she starts to cry and we're supposed to believe that this is like the happily ever after that they have and then the screen pops up and says after filming both Nick and Danielle and Ayana and Jarrett had decided to go their separate ways, but they still believe that love is, love is blind can work. You know, they always have to issue these disclaimers because they want to keep the audience of like, you know, they, these people, even though relations, their relationships failed, they still believe. So keep watching because otherwise this isn't going to work. You guys are going to have to ignore the fact that uh there are only two successful couples barnett barnett i'm now just remembering his name from season one um you know they they still believe though thank you see you season three um i'm really excited about season three actually it must be happening soon since we got this after the altar special um and then they also played some like behind the scenes or you know just like uh, behind the cutting room uh interviews with a couple of the people first being they just did a montage of the producers asking several of the cast members have you seen these messages between shane and shana and everybody was like no uh no we haven't <laughs> have, have you seen a lick of evidence that natalie has been claiming against uh, either one of them and they all say no and then they tell uh mallory what sal said about how uh she was with that guy and she's like, you've got to be kidding me. That is a friend of mine. He's been a friend of mine for a long time. He wasn't just some random guy. I didn't leave Sal anywhere that night. Um, he could have just asked me. This is very weird. And I don't like the implication that he's like, you know, <laughs> that I would be in a in a random car with a random man outside of our apartment. You know, like, 
fuck him for that. So, um, that part was interesting. So yeah, I mean, if you want to watch like the last two minutes of the third episode, then maybe check that out. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Be back with Sister Wives on Wednesday and Beverly Hills on Friday. (laughs) 